Welcome to the Create More Podcast. My name is Tracy Daniel Davis. Not sure where you found me, but I'm so glad you did. I unfortunately am starting this podcast off on a bit of a procrastination note because Heather, my own, and I recorded this episode back at the very early stages of the global pandemic in, I think, March. And here we are, June 26th, when I'm recording this and uploading. So I have been so busy, and I I definitely procrastinated a bit, um, a lot of bit on getting this episode out. So unfortunately, I'm starting it out on a sour note, but I am so passionate about audio and podcasting. And I know there's so many podcasts out there that start and they never continue on with episodes, but I would love to really have this podcast become something that you, uh, whoever it is listening to this, becomes really excited whenever you see a new episode. I want to talk about creation, like how do you, how do people find you know, their passion for creation and photography, videography, whatever it is. I am a photographer and videographer, but I don't want to talk to just photographers and videographers. I want to talk to anyone that finds inspiration and and creates something out of nothing, uh, no matter what that is. But I love talking about gear. Uh, You know, I'm a big gear head. I think that's a, it's a fun and important yet expensive part of being a creative. So uh, I also want to talk about the business side of things, but I'm just trying to give you a little idea as to what you can expect from this podcast. And I really hope I can earn your subscription. This first episode I had on Heather, my own, I met her in a Facebook group actually uh, called full-time filmmaker. Uh, full-time filmmaker members, I guess is the name of the group. And uh, that's those of us who have purchased the full-time filmmaker course, which teaches you literally everything you need to know from the creative to the business, to the technical side of filmmaking, and will really help you get on your way to becoming somebody that makes your living by making videos. And, you know, all kinds of stuff, even back through uh, how to do YouTube and be successful on, on those platforms, social media. So uh, big, big shout out to, to Full-Time Filmmaker for connecting us. But Heather it lives in Rhode Island, and she is a filmmaker, and I want you to look her up on Fellow Filmmaker. You can find her on YouTube and, and Instagram. And actually, since recording this, she's been killing it with videos. Uh, she does a lot of gear comparisons and things like that uh, on her YouTube channel. Really good-looking videos, uh, really stylized and everything, and you're going to get a lot of great information. But I had a great conversation with her in this podcast, and um, I think she's a really cool person. She's got a really cool story. I'll let, you, I'll let her tell you that. But we talked about all kinds of stuff, and, and again, this was kind of close to the beginning of the COVID pandemic uh, starting. And one little bit of a programming note, my audio setups changed a bit over the few months too, but during this podcast, after listening back to it, for some reason, there's a small hiss on my end, totally my fault. I hope it's not distracting. If it is, please forgive me and please continue to listen to future episodes. I hope I did not turn you off because of it. Hopefully you're not hearing it even right now. You shouldn't be. But without further ado, let's get right into the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I hope that you will take the time to subscribe. Yeah, thanks for joining me on this for my very first episode of this podcast. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've been going back and forth about the goal of what I want to do with this podcast. And you might have saw some of that in the, um, the post that I put on Full-Time Filmmaker is that so much of what uh, I feel as a creative, and I am a full-time filmmaker working for, a, I work a nine to five for a healthcare organization as the sole um, photographer, videographer. Mm-hmm. And 
I find that I need to be able to do projects like this to keep my own sanity, like um, where I'm not just creating for other people all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I should say I also do client work too on the side. So I do. I've done weddings and a lot of like corporate interviews, and and um, I've even done some like maternity shoots, which isn't my thing, but I did it, and uh, <laughs> um, other things like that. So nice. and engagement shoots and stuff. So you got to do stuff to help keep yourself creative, but then comes the whole, what if I don't get enough viewers and all of that kind of stuff? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, how do, why do it if, if it's already being done, there's already like almost a million podcasts being made. Yeah. Why even start anything because it's already been done, but that's such a bad way to, to look at that, you know? Yeah. You'll never get very far if you're just focused on like, oh, everyone else has done it already. So what is there for me to do? Right. Right. And that's, and I, I started a YouTube channel. I think you have a YouTube channel too, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, um, and I think we're both in the same boat, like kind of, I don't know how long you've been doing it, but I, I've been doing it on and off for years, but lately the past few months I've been trying to take it a little more serious, but, yeah. um, it's tough to like see my view counts not be very high. And yes. then it's like, you know, what's the, why am I putting so much time and effort? It looks like you put a lot of effort into your videos. I do. <laughs> Yeah. What is your goal with your with your YouTube channel? What are you trying to do? Yeah, so the reason I started it was because I felt like I saw there was like a relatively big need in the YouTube community for filmmakers. I know there's a lot of YouTubers out there who are making content for filmmakers, you know, informational and stuff like that. But yeah. I felt like that a lot of them are focusing on being the big and popular YouTuber out there. And a lot of mm -hmm. their content is filled with fluff. You know, it's just... It has helpful information. Constant B-roll. Yeah, yeah. It just has stuff in it that's good, but it's got like, you know, nine minutes of other stuff that you're like, wow, I wish I could have saved a little more time on that. And so yeah. I wanted to make a difference that way by, you know, providing actual helpful information that actually helps a filmmaker grow and get towards successful type endeavors faster. Because, right. you know, the faster part of it is by saying, hey, you know, I'm not going to waste your time with a bunch of nonsense in this video. I, I want to get to the point. I want to actually help you. Um, right. I think there's nothing wrong with entertaining people because, I mean, obviously, I think we know that's what I'm referring to is that they entertain a lot more than they educate. I think there's a fine balance between the two. And so that's something I strive to do with my videos is focus more on the education, but realizing that it's okay to, you know, be a little bit on the you can be entertaining side if you want to, but not every video has to be that way. Um, sure. So that's kind of why I jumped into it. Because same thing, you know, you feel like, well, everyone's giving information out there. What what do I have to offer? And I looked at it as saying, well, it's not so much of what I have to offer because information is probably out there sometimes if you look hard enough, but it's giving it to people in a quality format. It's getting straight to the point. It's not wasting their time. And I think that's more appreciative is making that type of difference. It doesn't have to be a huge like, hey, I'm the big famous YouTuber difference, but it can be right. the more like quiet type difference where it's like, oh, wow, I really appreciate that that person who got right to the point that helped me immediately. And I didn't have to waste so much time trying to get that information. And yep. so that is a big reason that I started my YouTube channel was to fill that gap. Um, and then also there's just not many female filmmakers out there doing it. And right. I felt like that would be important maybe to to do as well, even though I'm not super like comfortable with the idea of like, oh, let's push the female filmmaker movement. I'm not into that, right. but I think it's helpful just to be out there so that other people can realize that, you know, there are uh, female filmmakers doing stuff out there. They're creating impact and they 
they don't necessarily have to look like um, they're hippies either. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't know. There just seems to be a weird thing out there where you're like, everybody looks like that. What? You know, they try to either be like the Peter McKinnons or something. And it's like, I don't know. Try to be yeah. yourself. You don't have to copy the big YouTubers out there. You can you can do something yourself. That's the trouble. And I've heard a lot of uh, some other YouTubes. Have you ever watched Make Art Now with Josh Yeo? Yes, I have. Yeah, he says he doesn't watch any other YouTubers, really, because he doesn't want to be influenced by them. And you can kind of tell he's very, you know, uh, of his own style. Yeah. Uh, which I really appreciate. And um, very knowledgeable about, especially, like, deep camera techniques and, yeah. like, <laughs> um, really technical, science-y things with cameras. But um, mm-hmm. And he's like a MacGyver with putting cameras together but i i I agree with what you're saying and i think if you see some of my videos i'm the same way where i just kind of get to the point Mm -hmm. um mostly because my life's kind of boring and i don't have a lot to show you (laughs) as far as like here i am going to you know like casey neistat you know riding a skateboard down new york city streets um or you know as much as i would love that and and casey neistat was a huge influence on me as Mm -hmm. far as like just who cares what people think like just start doing something whatever it is that makes you happy mm-hmm. um and for me i was already at that whenever i found casey nice that was about it was actually his um the video where he was snowboarding on the back of a jeep uh during that that big blizzard in new york city okay and i was like who is this guy and then i started following him and i was i was kind of like a little bit into ca- cameras and filmmaking i had had a past with it a little bit and i sold my camera mm-hmm. and then i was i was like maybe i should really kind of get back into that i was working a job that wasn't going to be my career you know but i was like right maybe i should try camera stuff again and so i picked it back up and then really got back into it again and um you know here we are in 2020 but right. i um I, th- I think a lot of YouTube channels, like you're saying, is a lot of fluff. And I think they're, they're balancing that. Like Peter McKinnon does a pretty good job of balancing actual tutorials, like actual good information mm-hmm. with his personality. Because you're, you're tuning into him a lot for his personality. You know what I mean? True. And uh, Potato Jet, same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives good tips on, certain, on, on stuff, for sure. Yeah. But every, he's, just a, he's a very magnetic personality where you just want to keep watching him. And that that makes it tough for people who aren't who don't have that kind of personality, and it's and it's tough to, um, especially I, I don't know what it is about me trying to find creative things to do in Jacksonville where I live, but um, I, I, it's a struggle sometimes to really think of the, those things through. Yeah. But YouTube YouTube's a weird space. It's uh, <laughs> it's very it's hard to, to grow to, organically. I find. Yeah. Yeah. It's and just I, tough tough market there. <laughs> I've heard Potato Jet actually say this. It's like, don't get into it for the views because if you if you do, you're going to be constantly chasing that, yes. and that means you're going to constantly be making content to f- to make people like your videos mm-hmm. versus you making content that you like. Right. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? And some some of them do like a two for you, one for me kind of thing with their uploads. But, yeah, I agree. Um, me with a, I have a, a nine to five. I, I, I'm mostly, I don't have time a lot to do my own stuff. So it's really like a struggle for me to make another production of, you know, whatever yeah. it is that I'm doing. And sometimes it's nice to just take a break. So do you do filmmaking full time? I do. Doesn't mean I always uh, am successful at it, but I do do it full time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, it's up and down. It's it's much like a roller coaster ride. I mean, I'm sure you know that from some experiences where yeah. there'll be good 
parts of it and then there'll be really bad parts of it where you're like, wow, I'm struggling right now to figure out what to do here or, sure. you know, find that client or whatever. Um, yep. And obviously right now with everything happening in the world, it's, it's a little different for everybody, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. come and go, but I do, I do do it full time currently. I mean, there's always that question in the back of my mind being like, hmm. Should I go get a part-time job for now uh, <laughs> just to make sure the bills are being paid? So Right, right. Luckily, I have a really yeah. support, like a really good support system um, for family and some friends that just come alongside me when it's like, oh, you know what? Keep going. It might be tough and things are in a pinch right now. But, you know, something will happen soon. And yeah. I think sometimes that's helpful to have a good support system that just comes alongside you when you're like doubting it a little bit, when it's going a little tough and, you, and you're like, Eh, maybe I maybe I should give it up. Um, yep. It's really helpful just to have people who believe in you when you're doubting yourself. <laughs> For sure. And anytime you're mixing the creative with commerce, it's tough. Yes. Um, it'd be nice to just be able to make videos and not have to worry about the money side of things. But so true. if it's if it's I've thought about going full time, it's, it's different stages of my career and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I, I haven't done it yet because I'm on a really good team where I work. And I really enjoy working, you know, with a with another with a team of people that we're all doing different things. And I'm the only photographer and videographer, but yeah. the things that I do, they need like they need it for an ad that they're doing on Facebook or whatever, or a video, or um, like I was just filming our CEO the other day and for mm -hmm. a coronavirus video. And <laughs> <laughs> so, those are popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right now for sure. So what what kind of um, uh, videos do you typically do? What are you yeah. being requested for? Sure. So I, I do a lot of videos for like, I'll say smaller businesses right now, but I have done some corporate ones as well. Um, just helping them with like promoting either their services in general, or if they have some sort of special something that they're doing, you know, they contact me for stuff like that, but specifically, sure. specifically promos really for their business as a whole. Um, I've okay. done a lot of those, like, I want to call them hype videos, you know, where you kind of just show off a product in a more interesting format. Um, sure. So product videos as well. And I like to do documentaries for fun. Um, I, I haven't got hired for one necessarily, but I, I enjoy doing like a mini documentary, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like your feature length, like, wow, I'll see that on you know TV or something. But that's right. a someday goal. But for now, that's, like, that's another thing I do on the side. So I really focus on businesses, working with them. I also work with other filmmakers in my area um, whom they have their own clients that I, you know, just get to be on the shoots for basically. But sure. Yeah. They do a lot of stuff with like colleges and things like that. So it's neat to get that experience, you know, so that if, if I choose that Avenue, I can, um, I stay very far away from weddings. I can do them if I have to, but <laughs> I just yeah. do not like them. How many have you done? <laughs> uh, I did one and it was kind of more by force. Cause it was like a friend type thing. They're like, Hey, yeah. you know, I really want you to do it. And I'm like, I really don't want to. Um, yep. and so I ended up doing it just because I'm like, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll do it for you. So I made an I've exception. I've done, um, about five or six weddings yeah. and <laughs> I, um, most of them were in the beginning of whenever I was trying to kick off my business, Yeah, same. my, my personal business. And they, they were honestly, I, I think that they were really great for me to get started with this and kind of get an understanding of the, the workflow of, yeah. um, and and get creative with your you know it, very comfortable with your camera yeah. uh, with all your equipment you know figuring out how much equipment to take 
uh, to bring into to each one. I think I, the first one I had way too much gear with me, <laughs> and um, I've slowly whittled it down. But and, and I was really lucky that a lot of the um, referrals that I got were through my church. So my very first wedding was um, my my best man at my wedding. He got married before me, mm-hmm. and um, I did their wedding for like two hundred bucks or whatever. That was really yeah. just help. I think I had to rent a lens or something, and. Um, <laughs> That was a that was really helpful to me, and I I already had a filmmaking background, but not a wedding, um, and they weren't going to have a videographer anyway. I think so it, it worked out, but oh, yeah. actually no, that was not my first one. That was my first like real go at it. I did one before that that was that was for free that yeah. they definitely weren't weren't going to have a videographer. So I just said, hey, you mind if I film it to kind of get some experience? But um, nice. they're they're great to pick up some money, you know. Yeah. But the as you probably know, like working with. Um, with businesses that have budgets and stuff like that, it's it's a lot nicer to work with them because you you get a lot more pay for a lot less work. Typically, in my experience, yeah, um, weddings are a lot of a lot of work, eight to ten hours or more, or whatever. It's a long and day. Then yeah, the editing is forever, and then I'll never no- do another July wedding. And I live in Florida, oh not yeah. not doing it, Ooh, not doing it. That's uh, like yeah. the worst time of year to do that. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. <laughs> But because, you know, you have to still wear nice, you know, you have to look nice and stuff yeah. like that, too. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate the weddings because they help me get my, a lot of um, creativity down and, and understanding how to tell the story of yeah. their their wedding day. I didn't do I didn't do it too um, chronological. Like, that's a big debate with wedding filmmakers is, uh, you know, do you do you keep it very chronological of the day or do mm. you kind of skip around a lot? Like yeah. you probably see Jake Weisler does that a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, his videos are fantastic. Yeah, um, I love those more artsy style film poet kind of. Um, and uh, what's the other one? White and Reverie. Hmm. The just like, it's like they're each video is a little art piece, you know. Yeah, which is why they can charge what they charge, and they they make that's why sure. that's their full business. That's all they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference with wedding videos. You know, you can. You can do some here or there, and that's fine. But I think if you want to turn that into your like official income source and like right. your career path, it does take a whole lot more effort. Like you're saying, long days, you know, the editing. Eventually, you'll get good at it, but like in general, it's just yeah. it's tedious, and I get to work sure. with the clients and figure out what they like too. So. I just got to the point where I was I was dreading the edit so much yeah. that I you know I would like procrastinate and it was in the contract of like you know I had like three months to to deliver but you know it, I, I hate procrastinating on stuff like that I want to yeah. I want to do stuff that I'm so excited to edit it af- after I've shot it Same. you know what I mean Yeah, that's how I feel. There's some there are some jobs I've done even for like a business type thing where you know you just you shoot the whole thing, you know, it went relatively okay. You get in the editing room and you're like, okay, wow, this is hitting a wall basically. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I just don't feel motivated to do this. And I think that's tough sometimes because you're like, oh, I thought I would love all this. And I get like, you don't love every second of it. I mean, I say what I do as a filmmaker is like a love-hate sometimes. And I think a lot of other people do is because you love those moments of like that creative, creative passion basically where – you know, you've got the shot and it looks amazing. And then you got the edit to look amazing. And then there's those other times when you're like, eh, man, this is just not flowing. How yeah. do I make this work? Oh, gosh, I'm hitting a wall. Creative juice is absolutely gone. Yeah. Um, and that's when you're kind of like debating the whole, why Why did I do this again? All oh, right, I love what I do. Okay. And you got to yeah, yeah. push through those times, I guess. It's 
it's hard, but I think if you do, you end up feeling a bit of a reward for it because you're like, hey, you know what? It wasn't going great, it wasn't going well, but in the end, you know, it came out okay. It came out decent. It's not the best video I've ever created, but it's yeah. it's done and it's there and they like it. So, hey, that's great. <laughs> I've learned that it's like we're, we're always our worst critics about. Oh, yeah, so true. Uh, and, I, and I love the done is better than perfect phrase because I'm such a perfectionist that like, I, and I've heard big Hollywood directors say that like, I would I would never stop editing this vi- this movie, this oh, Hollywood yeah. movie, if I didn't have a deadline to deliver it. Yes. Because um, you can just constantly keep switching little things. And um, I, I know that I'm like done, ready to be, be done with something, but I know that there's always more to tweak and put this light leak in this spot and, you know, do this thing here and this transition there. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a constant battle, but that's, that's, that's creativity. That's, that's the world that, that we chose to work in. Yeah. That's <laughs> so the one that we chose to be it. like perfectionist yeah. mindset, but you have to remind yourself, like you said, just to be like, okay, it's done. Uh, yeah. That 80 uh, thing. <laughs> have you, have you watched Sam Colder's videos? I've watched a few. Yeah. Yeah, so his are obviously nuts. Like oh, I, I can't, I, I can't comprehend hardly anything he's doing. But I th- <laughs> he did one recently. Uh, it was a few months ago, I think, about his brother that passed away years I did see ago. That one, yeah. His, yeah, and he said he spent three hundred hours on that video. That's crazy. And and I was, I, it was that's an. Ins- I just can't even comprehend. I mean, you could tell in the in the shots. They're oh, un- yeah. like, I there's nothing like them. And I, I've never seen work like that. But yeah. I, I just can't imagine. But also having the, the 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 tools in your head of how to do the act, execute on those things, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I I'm I'm just trying to learn. I, I so much of what I, I've done is very kind of sterile corporate kind of work. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's very you know cut and dry kind of stuff. And I'm trying to learn like in camera transitions and stuff like that right now, so I can mm-hmm. step up some of the the more fun event coverage kind of stuff that I get to do sometimes. Right. But, um. Whenever you don't get to practice that kind of, I, I'd love to know what Sam Colder's background is and how he learned a lot of that kind of stuff because I have no idea. Because he doesn't seem like he's that old. Yeah, but. I mean, I think some of it is just that you have to make yourself do something creative for yourself without the idea of like, oh, I got to find a client that wants that video or something like that. I, I know I've yep. I've had that mindset once before where it's just like oh well you know i'd like to do a video like that but yeah you know whatever i'm probably not going to find yeah. somebody who would hire me and then you're like well why don't i just go do it and then you know right. if the video turns out good maybe i can show it to a client and maybe they'll want it you know it's hard yeah. to to remember that it's like a lot of the things that you want to do are up to how much you make yourself do them without Absolutely. there being like a really good reason for it beyond just like, hey, I want to learn how to shoot a better product video with like really cool transitions and, you know, right. ones that you spend like six hours getting one shot. I don't know if that's something that sounds appealing, but maybe I should try it, you know, and that's something I'm currently trying to make myself do lately. It's like take some time to make yourself do some of those more challenging things that you think, oh, well, it just requires you know, a creative idea or it requires a client to be paying me for it. Whereas, right. you know, I'm like, hey, how about I make myself do it pretending that this is for a client so that it comes out, you know, as professional as possible. And that's that's a great thing. And I, I would love to do that. I, I kind of, I wish I had done something like that before. Because I where do you live at? In I'm in the, Rhode Island. Rhode Island, okay. Yeah. So, um I'm in Jacksonville and you know, it, it's a, it's a big city. We got a big downtown and stuff like that, but yeah. it's hard for me to just like, let's go, just go out into the city and just shoot 
stuff. And yes. I think part of it's the complacency because I've lived here my whole life. So <laughs> yeah. um, it's not this this like this mystery that there's look new amazing. things. Yeah, yeah. It's not this amazing. It's not like Chicago or New York or something. Or yeah, LA. you feel more inspired by a location that you've like never seen. So you're seeing it exactly. with those new eyes. You're like, oh wow, that building looks amazing. Whereas you, you live there forever, and you're like, that building's always been there. It's not yeah. that cool, but okay. Yeah, and try and see things through a different perspective. And for me, that's where photography comes in. That I, where I love photography, that I can maybe shoot this same thing a different way, different angle, different lighting, um, you know, whatever. But yeah, I, it, it's it's tough. To, it's tough to, like you said, just go out and shoot stuff um, for yourself, and maybe maybe just sit down and write a script out, and and yeah. uh, like act as if it's a client that's saying, hey here's a script of a thing that we want to be done. Can you do this for us? Mm -hmm. um, but it's just you doing it. And then you get to just do whatever you want. You don't have to, yeah. you're not beholden to anything. <laughs> <laughs> One way I found to like push myself to, to be more creative is actually uh, the YouTube channel that I have, or basically YouTube and Instagram, because I'm creating this following of people that I want to help basically teach in, in a you know, relative way, kind of like what Parker does or some other YouTubers might consider themselves as like a teacher almost. It pushes you to feel like you have to become an expert on something where you're yeah. like, I can't possibly tell someone else to be like, hey, this is how you go shoot something where you're like, I've only done it once. Maybe I should go do that again so that yeah. I feel like I'm more confident with like, oh, yeah, that is how I would shoot that. That's how I can tell someone else to shoot that. Um, right. I think that pushes me a lot to be more creative, to actually make myself create content that I would consider for myself at times because I wouldn't be doing it any other time. Like I chose to, I chose to create this YouTube channel. I chose to do it because I wanted to help people. It wasn't like someone twisted my arm saying like, hey, you should you know help people. It was like, no, I really wanna help people. And so it gives me that liberty to say, I can choose what to share with other people as far as teaching them. And a lot of that can be driven from the whole, well, what do I know that I can share? You know, you kind of have to have that right. mindset. And so I think when you push yourself to say, mm, maybe I need to learn something new to teach because how else am I going to teach on it? You know, or they have questions. I mean, that's helpful too, is to have people who are like, oh, wait, how do you do this? And you're like, oh gosh, I've not done that that very much. I guess I go, go figure that out now. And um, sure. so I think that's been really helpful to challenge myself to be more creative. I mean, granted, mm -hmm. you are your worst critic and you also are your worst uh you know, push back to any idea, you know, you'll sit there and be like, oh, I think I should shoot this type of video. And then the other half of your brain's like, yeah, but it's probably going to come out terrible. So why bother? And, yeah. you know, why you do it? I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah that you have to debate. like talk yourself into it. Yeah. And so sometimes I yeah. think having that extra bit of push of saying like, well, I have people who are asking about it, or I have people who probably would benefit from this maybe it's worth more of that effort of doing it instead of just saying no instantly inside my head. So I have found that to be probably one of the best best ways to motivate myself to just like, okay, get over it, go do something, stop saying you can't, stop sitting there, stop thinking you don't have something to, to do or offer or learn because you can learn something yourself without having to rely on, you know, some other creator telling you to do it. I mean, I've challenged myself right. by you know, just creating like a list of challenges to be like, hey, okay, try making a video that is only with sound effects. Great. That helps you out so that you learn sound design a lot better. Okay, mm -hmm. now try making one that is mostly just in-camera transitions and so on and so forth. And I did that at the beginning of the year and that was really great. And I, you know, offered it up to my followers and saying like, hey, you can join me on this. 
And even though many of them didn't join in on it, it was okay because I'm like, you know what? I'm creating content that I wouldn't have done had I right. not offered it up to everybody else to kind of like challenge myself, but also challenge them. And when you do that whole like weird thing that when humans get together in some weird group, they feel like they're more obliged to do something because other people are agreeing right. to it. And so are they. Um, and so it's just that weird thing that we challenge each other more like in our heads, but also because we're in a group. So it's been really helpful, I think, um, having my channel um, to encourage others while basically encouraging myself, which I know that sounds really funny. Yeah. It almost sounds selfish. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for me. But it's like, well, I mean, I guess that's how most things work is that we do them for other people, but we also end up doing it for ourselves in a weird way. Right. You know, you help someone else, you're right. ending up feeling really great yourself because you help someone else. So it's almost like you were doing something for yourself at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do you ever feel a little of imposter syndrome whenever you're t like teaching stuff on YouTube or whatever? I, I feel that sometimes because it's like I know what I'm talking about. I know that I know what I'm saying is right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's almost like I've, there's a part of me that's like you haven't earned the right to be able to <laughs> teach this yeah. whatever. Oh, I get that all talk. the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at that point even right now. Um, I want to create a mini course. Um, a teaching, something that I don't necessarily consider myself because, you know, I'm my worst critic. Um, I don't consider myself the expert on it. At the, at the same time, I'm like, but I really want to do this. I really want to to create something that other people can benefit from in such a way that also challenges me to actually just create the, the thing. You know, sometimes it gets aggravating because sure. you're like, oh, I want to do something. And then you're, like, you're saying, well, am I, I'm not knowledgeable about it. You know, I'm not like, that high up on the list of people who who do this all the time and you know they're the ones that do it for a living and you know granted i'm a filmmaker i do this for a living but maybe not that specific thing and so you sit there yeah. wondering like oh gosh should i should i be talking about this and uh right it, it gets tricky yeah like you're saying it's like what do you what do you do then do you make as, it as if as if someone who is in authority of the camera, the, the camera expert is going to be like, yeah. no, that's not right. You're not, you're not, you're saying that all wrong. Yeah. Your credentials. Um, um, excuse me. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it, it's just, a, and that's the beauty of YouTube is you can be saying absolutely wrong things and no one, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll, people will call you out on it, but it's, yeah. you can still publish it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you could say something one week and then five <laughs> weeks later, it's no longer relevant. And yeah. suddenly you look like you didn't know what you're talking about. And I think that's just how information works sometimes. So yeah. you have to be willing to risk it. And I think that's like the really big risk that I think that's what we're all afraid of. It's like, oh, that risk of like looking like we're wrong or, you know, we don't know yeah. anything. And I think that's probably somewhat scary, especially in our society, because we're so full of of wanting to be, you know, filled with information, basically saying like, oh, we, we're knowledgeable. We know something status level, basically. Sure. Um, and I think that's, so in some ways, it's like a cultural thing that you're pushing back against saying, okay, I don't have to know every single detail, but hey, I know, you know, if you click on this and do that, this happens. So that might be helpful to someone who doesn't know that process. Um, I think sometimes you have to remember that it doesn't always have to be like this huge amazing looking amazing sounding epic you know complex thing sometimes it can be those simple things that it's like yeah sometimes that's just all someone needs is to walk them through a little short step-by-step -step process of you know how to import your footage you know you're like wow everybody knows that but then maybe right. someone doesn't so i think that's that's a hard bit of it that you have to remind yourself of it's like hey sometimes 
you're not going to look like the big epic professional on this subject right. until probably three years down the road. But yep. uh, all those people started somewhere too. You know, like Parker, if you look back at some of his first videos, for instance, you'll see that they weren't like the best quality and maybe, you know, he did give good information, but at the time it could have been like, well, everybody knows that. Why is he sharing that? But to some of us who might not have known about, you know, frame rates yeah. or exposure or something like that, it was like, wow, mind blown. That makes my video so much better. Um, yeah. And so I think that's sometimes how you have to look at it being like, oh, you know, he can look back at that being like, wow, those were terrible. And I didn't know a whole lot. And then, yeah. you know, same thing. It was only two, three years ago. So I think it well, just comes the with time. That's the thing with, you know, broadcasting, you're casting to a broad amount of people that there's no way to know where they're at in their whatever. Yes. So a lot of times I'll see tutorials on YouTube and I already know that I already know what it is that they're talking about. But mm -hmm. I still watch either because, you know, I like the personality that's saying the information or they might I might pick up on another little thing that I didn't know before that yes. that happens to me with uh, I think you, 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 you do Final Cut too, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I love Final Cut. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> it doesn't crash like Premiere all the time. I know. That is how I feel. Someone asked recently, they're like, so what editing program do you use and why? I said, I use Final Cut because it doesn't crash. <laughs> yeah, I love Final Cut. I've never yeah. used Premiere, to be honest with you. I used but, it once um, and hated it. So, Really? Yes, it was miserable. It seems so complicated. Like, I'm sure if you use it enough, you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. But there are some things that I love so much about Final Cut that coming from that, you look at it being as a huge time difference like what i mean by time meaning like it takes so much more time to do something yeah. on premiere like i was supposed to edit something for someone else on their system and it was premiere and i'm like oh, okay i know like basic stuff so hopefully they apply here you know like yeah. some shortcuts or something and i sat there and i was just like this is miserable there's no magnetic timeline there's no why is that shortcut not working and i like trying to make the shortcut work and you just sit people there people hate that magnetic timeline but I, I love it i love it some people hate it and i'm like man it saves me so much time because i don't have to be like okay ripple delete everything you know like you do in Premiere, so yeah. like, oh man, it's such a. Time and if you theory. don't like the magnetic timeline, you just create the 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 gray. Yeah, um, yeah. You just drag that across, and then put all your stuff on top or bottom, and then yeah. now it's not magnetic anymore. Or if you need like I a little actually, blank space, you just Control P it, and done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's what I was meant. There's so say. many shortcuts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I. But going back to what I was saying, like. Um, I pick up on little things in, in Final Cut and I've been using Final Cut for 10 years. Yeah. Kind of it's all self-taught, you know, YouTube, self-taught meaning like, you know, YouTube videos and, and course, things like yeah. that. But um, I'll pick up on stuff that's like, wow, that is a huge time saver yes. to me. And I wish I would have known about that a long time ago, like favoriting and you're, whenever you're going through all your footage before you drag it into your timeline. Mm -hmm. If you just kind of scroll through and I have, you know, you hit I or O to in and out yeah. uh, for your range. And then you hit, uh, I think it's normally F I had to change mine, but to favorite that clip, go through all your shots and then you can sort by favorites. And now, before you even go into your timeline, every shot that you, you know, the one that the one camera movement that is just right before you accidentally fumbled the camera or something like that, right. you've already got all of that out of the way. And now all you have to do is just place everything in the right spot. Nice. That would have saved me so much time on weddings if I had known about that before. <laughs> right. I just never, I never knew that. You know, I was yeah. literally dragging clips in and then cutting it in the timeline. Yeah. Uh, which I still do for, for interviews, but... Um, 
just little things like that, that it's, it's always so good to not ever be shut off. Like I already know all this. I know all yes. this information. No, uh, so constantly learning. Yeah. Yeah. Filmmaking is very much about like, uh, just life, like never stop learning. Once you, once you think you know everything or you stop learning, you're kind of, you're losing. Yeah. Um, you'll be yeah. behind at some point for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's fun. You should, if, if you love what you're doing, it should be fun for you to continue to learn new information. Yes, I agree. Um, I've really been liking a lot of the stuff they've been putting in the full-time filmmaker, uh, group. Um, like the one that landed by the way, with the, um, the food stuff, like, oh, the, like the, the food. Stuff? And, yeah. With the in-camera transitions and yeah. all that stuff. I, I really like that kind of stuff. I have not done that yet. Anything like that. I've never needed to. Yeah. I'm actually a little scared if a company ever approaches me and it's like, Hey, we'd like a <laughs> video about our pizza or whatever. And I'm, yes. I've, I'd have to I've f- attempted I, the style and it's, it's sometimes, uh, really challenging. I was just shooting one like that yesterday. Um, and sometimes you sit there being like, Oh wait, uh, which way did the other one end? Because yeah. that well, matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually at a, at a, uh, it was like a, a, some sort of a race kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the whip with my camera, oh, yeah. but I forgot for the second one to start on the other side. Oh no. That way it makes sense whenever you whip back. Yeah. I just kept doing like from this, this way. Oh, only one direction. Uh, from the, yeah, one direction instead of following the whole movement. Got so in it. the editing, I was like, you moron. Uh, but, that's so, you know, yeah, I've done that. You're like, I didn't, why did I do yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I did a cool sky in camera transition. I went up to the sky. Okay, good. I was on one thing. Uh, you could see what it is, went up to the sky. And then when I came back down from the sky, it was a new place. Oh, so that nice. was the one, the That's one nice cool. one that I was able to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, Hey, I got one. Sometimes yeah. that's how you have to start with. You're like, I'm just going to do one right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. first attempt it, it, was miserable looking. And for some reason it's got 4,000 views on YouTube and I don't know why, but um, probably because it's stinking short. Uh, it's like yeah. 30 seconds or less. It was one of those things that you just look at it being like, man, there's no one that's going to watch this. It's not that great. Um, but yeah, I watched Daniel Schiffer's, um, it was one of yeah, his first great. videos he put out. Yeah. Yeah. He does his stuff. Amazing. I don't know how he does it. Like the handheld stuff is just very smooth. He does very good at, at holding the camera, and he's got I, the head edit in his mind so well when he's he does. When he's filming. Yeah, I mean, he's probably done it a lot of times, so that probably helps. I mean, for me, I've I've probably done it a handful of times that type of style, and I think most of the time, um, you know, I try pre-planning it. I try thinking about okay, like this is the shot that I want first, and then this is the second one, third one, because you have to know which direction you're taking things. Right. And I have found that that type of style is very hard running gun. Um, you know, how you're like, maybe you're racing against time, for instance, like you're outside or something like that. And you've got the sun and it's about to set. And so you're, you're really limited on what you can get done in that amount of time. So that run and gun type situation, uh, that's yep. what I was doing yesterday. So that's why I mentioned it, uh, is that you're, you're racing against the clock and it gets really hard yep. because you have to sit there and be like, okay, wait a second. I need my focus set. I need to do the speed just right. I need to make sure I'm starting on the, you know, the right direction and the same flow. And there's so many little details that you can easily just forget. And yep. um, and then you'll get to the editing room and be like, oh, my goodness, why did I not think of that simple thing? You know, and yeah. it's easy to get yep. really discouraged with that type of style for sure. Um, yep. But I think there are times you can salvage it just a little bit if you. Uh, Sometimes the editing can really save your tail. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I uh, uh, if you didn't get the shot, you didn't like for for weddings and stuff like that. If if it wasn't if it wasn't in the camera, it wasn't in the camera. You know, yeah. and that's you just gotta 
go, move on. I there was one wedding where I um, didn't hit the record button at the on the exit, oh, and <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was like I I think I had started recording before, yeah, and I must have stopped it thinking I was starting it. Yes, which has never happened to me ever before in my in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to apologize to them, but it, it was fine. But uh, um. Man. Yeah, that th- that those kind of shoots m- that really matter. Like this is the only time this is going to happen. Yeah, that you know that that really sucks. But I think that's um, why I don't like it, weddings sometimes because you're like, this is the only time this is happening, and yeah, I'm responsible for it. <laughs> if I if I were to ever really want to go full time into weddings, I would have to have a second shooter. I would have to have someone with me that that could carry gear, also can edit. And they they can be in another place getting the same kind of shots that the same style of shots that I'm going for. Yeah, um, I agree. That's part of my problem is finding other filmmakers where I live to collaborate with and stuff like that. Because I know a few, but they all do very different kinds of work, and mm-hmm. most of us all just do a lot of corporate work, um, interviews, yeah. and talking head kind of stuff. But uh, it's tough. So you, you mentioned um, documentaries before. I love the, I love documentaries yeah. and. I've gotten to do a few at where I work. Um, like, we, we got this new technology, and um, it, it helps people with spinal cord injuries uh, be able to stand up and walk. It's like an exoskeleton. Oh, nice. And um, so I, I was doing a behind-the-scenes kind of a, of a thing with – it was actually the as soon as I got the A7 III when it first came out in, like, 2018. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it was my first time really using a, a camera, a mirrorless camera. Um, but anyway, I, I really just loved filming – this thing as it was just happening instead of it being made to happen or forcing anything to happen. And I was able to piece it together. And I, you know, I, I I did direct a little bit, having them kind of explain what's going on and that kind of thing. So, but, so it made sense, but, um, I I love documentaries and now, now I actually use a C200 at at work, um, which is a really nice camera for documentaries and stuff like that. I wish it was 10 bit. It's only eight bit, but, (laughs) um, it's nice using an actual proper video camera with XLR inputs and, and um, uh, the full thing that you, that you want. Yeah. But I, I would love to follow something awesome that, you know, is something that's happening and I can piece this whole story together um, mm-hmm. for a documentary. It's not easy. It's not easy. I think it requires a lot of dedication to the story. And I think that's why for, yeah. like, for me, I don't know about other people, but for me, like, the story is what matters most to me as the filmmaker. And so, it should. yeah, yeah it, it's got to be something that's really like you, you feel like the passion behind it or you're passionate about right. the topic even because that helps so much when it gets tedious, when it gets really long because documentaries, you have so much footage that you're usually going through and sifting through in the audio. And it's just a lot more of a process than even like a wedding, for instance, which has some of the similar attributes, like you're capturing something that's happening and there's audio and video, but it feels like there's so much more because you're capturing it from, you know, five different angles, six different people or, you know, whatever's happening in that situation. Um, It really helps to have that underlying reason like that. I love this story and I want to share it type type mentality. Because I think if that's missing, you can easily uh, really give up on the story, so to speak, and yeah. it probably won't come out as as well as you're hoping it to, just because you're like, eh, no, I lost, I lost the d- desire to do this one right. type, type mindset. Yeah, it's all in the mind. It's all in the mindset. <laughs> yeah, it's it does take a lot of dedication because uh, depending on what it is, like if, I, I'm sure you've watched a lot of documentaries and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. like 
holy moly, the amount of footage that they must have had to, oh, how do they piece this together? Like, I, I, have you watched Tiger King yet on Netflix? I haven't. But I oh should. my gosh. You've, have you heard of it? I don't, I feel like I have probably like passed it or something. I just must not have clicked on it. Oh my gosh. My wife and I watched it. I think it was one of the first nights that it came out. The the reason I'm bringing it up is the the filmmaker started filming um, for a whole, I think it was for, at the beginning of of the doc, it kind of says for a whole different reason. And then he comes across, there's like this tiger in a cage somewhere and he starts asking questions and it kind of shifts everything. And five years go by of him getting footage and telling this story because the main guy is in jail right now. Um, But he was with him for a long period of time and stuff, filming things. And I was just thinking of the amount of footage that he must've had and the amount of (laughs) options to tell this story was probably so many different ways to edit it. And I just, it kind of, it hurts my head to think about editing that amount of footage, but I, I guess whenever there's that much money on the line, is I'm sure he makes a lot of money off of these kind of things and um, pressure, and that's what the the pro they're pros, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're just kind of we're kind of like you know picking up the slack of the community for videos that need to be created, but these are the like right. the titans of the industry that are making stuff that everyone wants to watch and we aspire to do. Right. So it's I, I love watching documentaries like that because I I think of um, all the work that goes into it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work, and I think oftentimes with documentaries, it's more of like that eye-opening experience, and that's something I really like, where yeah. you know you're being presented with something more I wouldn't say factual, but like actually happening, and so yeah. it has that sense of like oh nobody scripted this, like this is just life and it happened, right. and so it's that much more impactful if you can, if you as the storyteller, like the filmmaker, can convey that story more. Mm, more in a sense so that it is impactful. Um, You know, I think that's what uh, filmmaking is all about is really learning how to, to share the story. And like you're saying, he probably had like probably 10 different ways he could have shared that story specifically. Um, And, but you know, it's all in finding like, okay, I think this is the, the type of path we want to go down. Let's tailor it this way. Yeah. It's seven episodes. Um, so, cause there's no way that would have fit in a movie, to yeah, a movie yeah. like two hours. Um, cause it's just, just so much content, but, um, it's really good if it, you should definitely check it out. But yeah. I've, I've watched so many documentaries and some of them you can watch, you, you can tell that they're trying to have, they have an agenda of some sort. Yes. Um, so you always have to keep an eye out for that. Cause it, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a person making it just like the news is just people curating it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always going to be that filter of this. Yes. It's not just going to be the pure truth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I think know, we ever get the pure truth. That's something I often uh, think about and often say is just like, well, technically there is never an unbiased interview, for instance, because a lot of you know documentaries and films are made up of interviews and yep. they're never technically unbiased because the interviewer is um, asking questions with an agenda um, because yep. – no matter what you do, they have a reason for the questions that they're asking. As much as they're trying to be curious, they will always have their own bias to the conversation. Um, you know, they'll come at it from a direction that, you know, maybe they want a certain type of answer. And right. usually they'll push till they get that answer. And and I think that's why sometimes in the media you'll see, um, you know, actors or something like that who might have been in an interview did not appreciate the certain angle that a question was asked from because they know that it's 
not unbiased. They know that there's an agenda behind it. And, you know, we sometimes laugh at those ones where like, oh, they totally shut down that interviewer, you know, stuff like that. Um, we've all probably seen those videos of, you know, oh, yeah, some famous sure. actor shutting them down. Um, and I say it's good for them because I think that's the beauty of an interview is that you don't have to answer the angle question. You know, you can answer it from your own um, perspective with trying to keep it on a more I don't know, non-biased direction if you feel like it's being really biased. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the job of the interviewer is to ask the questions and obviously they're going to ask them from an angle that they, they want to, to hit on and cover. Oh, sure. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to, be to watch documentaries and stuff like that because they're very much, you know, heavily influenced from a, um, a certain angle and there's a lot of interviews in them. And so they're fun to watch yeah. because you look at it having to think, oh, I mean, okay, some people think, I like to think about them being like, oh, I wonder why they were, you know, asking those type of questions. Like, what did, what were they wanting to accomplish with their documentary? You know, were they wanting right. to cover something completely different than the person talking is actually wanting to talk about? Because that happens a lot of times. Yep. Speaking of documentaries and kind of mixing with our world a little bit, are you familiar with Philip Bloom? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so he's um, he's a he's a filmmaker that that still he's he does a YouTube channel too, mm -hmm. and um, he's been he used to work for the BBC. He was like one of those guys that's like out on location with the big cameras and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. But he's really he uses cameras that like small and all the way up through cinema cameras. He has some really great uh, stuff from way back in the day, like 2005-ish with the new, whenever the 5D Mark II, three came out, mm -hmm. whichever whichever one had, first had HD video. I, I think it remember. was the three. Was it the three? I think Yeah, so. and um, he did like a time-lapse of Skywalker Ranch at George, Lo George Lucas's uh, place in, mm -hmm. I think it's California, okay. um, the Star Wars guy. And he's he's done a lot of these kind of like these videos that are really well done but he just did one he did a review of the new sony fx9 the new, their new cinema camera mm -hmm. and it's like two hours long <laughs> <laughs> wow and it's like a documentary it's like wow. a documentary about a, a camera like a like a as far as his review mm -hmm. and he uses this really whimsical classical music kind of stuff and um he tell he's able to keep it interesting and tell the story while giving you facts about his experience with this camera that he's had for, you know, a month or two. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he goes through everything like, you know, autofocus and how, how well it works and testing all of that and how well it picks up different kinds of faces and um, the battery life and, you know, all the stuff you think they would talk about with a, with a camera. Um, but it was done in such a creative way that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, so I get inspired by stuff like that where... Yeah. Um, people take something that everyone else is doing, but they completely just kind of turn it on its head. Yeah. I like those type of, I don't know, they like come and shake up the industry a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, tell me about full-time filmmaker. Well, let's go back. When did you start getting into to doing uh, filmmaking? Yeah. Um. So I have been into video i'll just say for a generic term um <laughs> since yeah. i have i don't know at least 10 years ago i was relatively young at the time and you know just did stuff for fun you know play around with the camera with my family you know and friends and stuff like that and mm -hmm. then after I, I moved off to colorado um i went out there for a few years for a program and kind of just set that to the side um, I was still into it, but I just kind of was like, yeah, I don't have time for it. You know, as much as it's always been my dream to do filmmaking as like right. my career is my full-time thing. I was just like, there's just no way 
that I'm going to be able to make that happen. You know, life happens, you have to have income and money and <laughs> pretty much your dream gets put on the back burner. And so right. I would still do stuff for fun here and there and, you know, try to be learning and growing. But when you're working a, a full-time job and, you know, trying to manage paying bills and things like that, it just kind of has to sit back there. And so for me, it was pushed back as much as it was my dream for 10 years. Um, I just let it sit there. And then life happened again. And um, my dad died um, just suddenly one day. And so I came back home to be with my family to help them out because I felt like that was the right thing to be doing uh, to help my mom out because I have younger siblings still at home and a handicapped brother. And so I wanted to be sure that everything was taken care of as much as I could help with. So I moved back to Rhode Island after having moved out for three years and mm -hmm. came back and it was kind of crazy. I wasn't sure what I was doing. So I, I picked up a part-time job and, you know, I was like thinking a lot, <laughs> you know, life just changed dramatically very much yeah. in the opposite direction of what I had anticipated. And so I randomly thought it might've been the best time to pursue this filmmaking dream of mine saying, you know, I probably will never have another opportunity in my life to pursue this. I, you know, I just moved back home. I've got, you know, my family and I can support them a little bit with the part-time job and stuff like that. And just being there because that was more important. And mm -hmm. I said, you know what, why not pursue this now? And so I started mm -hmm. to. Um, I purchased full-time filmmaker and I started learning like crazy, practicing, Doing when stuff. was that that you got full-time filmmaker? Yeah, I'll see. Uh, what is it, March right now? I think I got that in late 2018. Yeah, 2018. Because okay. my dad I died got mine at, a few months later. I bought it in about uh, April, June. So yeah, okay. Mine was like November or something like that. And yeah. it was like a really hard purchase because I didn't have a lot of money. I just literally moved all the way back to Rhode Island. Yeah. So I was like, oh it my doesn't. Goodness. It seems like a lot of money at first to pay for a course, but now that you've done it, yes. it seems like nothing. Yeah, right? I know. You're like, well, I'll probably make that back. And that was what I was hoping to do, obviously, at the time. I was like, okay, yeah. maybe all the things that I'll learn will teach yep. me how I can make money off this. And that was kind of my hope because I, I, I've always wanted it to be my career, basically, is creating yep. film and pursuing this. So that's when I, I like started jumping into it, but it was really hard because I was trying to be there with my family a lot because like I said, I had a handicapped brother, I had younger siblings. I was trying to be at the house a lot uh, for my mom to take that off of her after her shoulders because she didn't have um, you know finances coming in. And so I was trying to help little bits here and there wherever I could while sure. also you know surviving myself. And um, so it was really hard for like the first few months. I just really wasn't able to make the business happen. I was trying to do video production, you know, trying to make stuff for businesses and things like that while part-time. And anyway, um, unfortunately, uh, my brother also passed away about a few months after that. And that was really hard. Uh, my handicapped brother died. And, oh, and that was really hard in the family and for me. Um, he was actually the person I worked for. Uh, I helped be his personal aid and things like that. And so I lost my job and I, you know, kind of sat there being like, okay, this is really hard. I just lost two family members in nine months. What do I do? And how do I be there for my family, but also make a living? You know, I want to pursue this. How do I do it? It was just a lot of things being thrown yeah. at me in a very short amount of time. And wow. so with life and the filmmaking stuff, they kind of go hand in hand because as much as you like look at it as a business or a career, it, revolves a lot around your personal life as well sure. and what you're able to do with it 
And so when my brother passed away, I was able to start doing more creative things because I didn't have my job. Basically, I was unemployed. Um, And so basically, that was last summer. And I have been working extremely hard since then. I've been starting a YouTube channel to teach people. I've been working hard at trying to make this business thing happen. Um, still trying to be there for my family, for my younger siblings, especially for my mom, because um, it's really hard on her to lose her husband and her her firstborn son. And so there's just this complexity to life and to business. And I think sometimes that gets to you. And it was really hard for me, I think, now about a year after my brother has passed away, um, I'm able to feel like I can push myself in certain directions where maybe I wasn't feeling bold enough before. And it wasn't necessarily because of those losses. I think it's just there's so many things happening that you're not sure what's right at that moment. You're struggling with so many different things with business, with family life, with personal life, and things like that where you're sitting there wondering, I've got so many decisions to be making. Which one is the right one? You know, trying to figure out what direction to go. And then filmmaking isn't always a successful business. It takes at least, I want to say, two years maybe, (laughs) of hard work. Yeah, before you start seeing results that you're like, oh, wow, this might work. Um, And so, yeah, it's it's been a really crazy ride. And so that's like the long personal life story version of it. But my personal life has been the thing that's driven me. My family's always, you know, supported me with filmmaking. And then even with all the the losses that happened that actually pushed me to finally do them, you know, as much as it's hard that I don't have those family members anymore, I am grateful that I was able to take something like that, you know, something bad and be able to turn it into something that is more positive in, in a way that I probably wouldn't have done it, to be honest. I was I was comfortable working a nine to five job in a sense that the income was great. I hated the job, but, you know, I did it back out in Colorado and I would have probably continued doing that for a long time, because once you're comfortable financially, you know, saying like, hey, I'm making decent money, I'm okay. I don't think you ever go after those dreams that says, oh, that's really, really risky to just drop all that and go after something that is completely unknown, that you know costs a lot of money, takes a lot of time. You know, it's just, that's the challenge and the risk of doing your own business, your own creative dream filmmaking. So yeah, that's like the really random long story, but yeah, that's I feel like I'm new to <laughs> well, it still. <laughs> no, that's that was great. I mean, I'm sorry to hear about all the all your your loss and your family and stuff like that, but it's great that you're taking that and and using it to drive you forward and Yeah. Um it seems like kind of like um whenever all your plans kind of like as far as what you thought things were going to do, yeah. uh, how, how your life was going to go, it kind of forced that your passion to come out as your only as the option to just Go for it. Yeah. In some weird way, it's always been that way in my life where uh, I would say I attribute a lot of my abilities, like the filmmaking and the creativity and the, the learning through practicing and so on and so forth, came from individuals in my life who pushed me in some way, whether it was through their right. life or in this case, whether it was through their death or something like that. You know, my great grandmother, she... She was someone I, I loved to go over and visit with when I was younger. And that's when I was really into into video, getting into it more like as a younger person and just enjoying it as a fun thing to do. And I used to use the the abilities I have to create videos for her because she's in her 90s and you know lived by herself. And so sure. I'd make these videos for her and I'd come over and I'd show them to her and I'd be really excited about it. And so I attribute a lot of that 
initial younger person that I was growing and learning because of my great grandmother, just basically, I, I'm pretty sure she had no idea what video stuff really was. I mean, she grew up in yeah. the 19, you know, early 1900s and stuff like that. So she probably was just like, okay, why is she doing this stuff? Okay. But she would just sit there and, and she'd watch and she'd listen. And that is exactly what I needed. And then in this case, you know, my dad passed away. And one of the ways that I was trying to, I don't know, I'll say not process that, but you know how you, your creativity comes very much from inside of you. And so yeah. when something like that happens, I think you just have this like, how do I express anything? Like, you know, sometimes every person's different, but some people are more expressive than others. And in my case, it's like, I want to do something that expresses, you know, gratitude to the life that my dad had. So at that time, I was just like, well, I'm good with the camera. I'll just make a video. And that is the moment that I decided to start a business out of doing the video stuff was when I made that video about my dad's life a little bit and more just for family, but you know, it was just something I could do. And then I realized like, Hey, I can actually maybe turn this into something that I've always wanted it to be. Um, and so in a weird way, it's like all that stuff that's happening around you in your life will always affect you. And it will probably, uh, affect the way that you even consider business or filmmaking and things like that. I mean, right. at least it has for me, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. That's, um, that's a that's, because that's a that shows that you're not just motivated because motivation comes and goes, but that yeah. shows you're, you're driven. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're driven, you, that's something that kind of sticks around because that's where your passion comes from. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, have you gone through the whole full time filmmaker course? Did you take everything? Oh yeah, yeah. I went through it all and rewatched parts that you're like, oh, I forgot I even yeah. watched that. You know, after you watch it back again. Um, it looks I, like they're redoing some some sections. Yeah, they um, definitely like updating are. updating them. Yeah, I appreciate that because, you know, information, like I said, changes sometimes. So, or yeah. just the way that you present it can make people accept it better. So I think that's great that, yeah, they're constantly updating it. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I owe a lot to Full-Time Filmmaker. I learned so much through the course and um, I, it gave me the confidence that I needed to be able to start my business and be, and, 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 and working where I work. Um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the sole photographer and videographer whenever I started doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, I started doing it on the side first. Um, but, and then later became the, the, that, but, um, you need that confidence. You need to feel like you know what you're doing. Even if you don't fully know what you're doing, at least you have the framework that, you know, you're confident you're going to at least get good audio and your yeah. exposure is going to be right at least. Yeah. <laughs> and composition can always be better, but you know, it's like, uh, it's one of those things that uh, you, you just got to put the work in. And I, I would, I wish I had tracked how many hours I've spent learning um, about filmmaking and whatnot, like for, through YouTube videos and full-time filmmaker and stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. got to be hundreds and hundreds of hours, but no, no. Um, it's so fun too, though, whenever like, that's one thing I loved whenever I was shooting weddings and stuff is like, I'd be standing there with my uh, Ronin S and, and my, my camera and filming something that just looks so good like this is they're in this magical moment right now whether mm -hmm. there's dancing or ceremony or whatever and i'm getting a really good shot of it yeah so whenever those two things kind of come in together it's a really it's a beautiful thing to me it's like it kind yes. of like every time that happened i would have the thought of this is why i'm doing what i'm doing yes you know all the times where i'm shooting things i don't care about this mm -hmm. is this is why I love it because I'm able to share. I'm able to take my talents and, and skills and help other people create 
memories for their life, whether that's a wedding mm-hmm. or whatever else. Yes. Um, so that those are the, th- the the moments that really reinforce to me that I I think this is a great career. It's going to have its ups and downs, but um, what what career is not going to? You right. Know? In the end, it feels worth it in in some shape or form. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what my big plans are. Um, you know, if you can share what's maybe if you have some big plans for you, I don't know. I don't know that I want to have a big production company. Um, I, 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 there's a part of me that wants to just jump into real estate and put all photo video behind me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or actually, or use it to help me with the real estate. Um, you know, I don't know, but, um, uh, I have, I have no idea what, what I know it photo video will always be a part of my life for sure. And, um, and uh, I, whether it's a, my full job or not, but um, I'm excited to see where it takes me. But do you have any big plans for, for your career with photo video? Do you yeah. do photos at all? You know, I don't for business type stuff. I can't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I do thumbnails and stuff for, uh, like, you know, YouTube. Obviously, I can do pictures, but <clears throat> it is definitely not my passion. Um, like, I, I kind of started out with the camera with pictures on on some level. Um, Uh But then I was like, yeah, I like this video stuff so much more. So I don't actively um, try to become really, really good and like do client work with photography because I just don't feel as passionate about it. It's not like one of those, like you were talking about with you get the shot type thing. You know, you're like, oh, look, it's just like the the movement's just right. And you're like holding your breath as you're getting it because you're like, this is so exciting. I don't get that same feeling with photography, for instance. I um, I don't know, there's just something about it I don't. But as far as plans for the future, um, I always feel like I have so many big, grandiose ideas. And some of them have to sit on the back burner. But as far as immediately, I'm trying to... Um, just grow business right now because obviously it's really tough right now with, you know, coronavirus and stuff going on. But I'm trying yeah. to make the most of that. And right now I'm just working at reaching out to businesses, um, local businesses, and just really pushing the whole growing the community, growing networking right now. That's really big for me too. Um, yeah. And then throughout the year, I'm hoping to um, write and script and shoot up a mini course that I'd like to eventually offer up for people who want to learn more about product video. Um, I think that's something that I really enjoy and could be fun to just try teaching people. And it's more for mm-hmm. like, like I said, the same thing is like that double-sided, like you want to help people, but it's for you at the same time. Whereas like, I want to learn it so much better. And I feel like I can, I can throw myself more into it if I have to teach someone else it. So right now right. I'm working on growing my skills there more than they already are. And then I want to turn it into a mini course and share it with other people, um, which I feel like I already have a pretty decent idea of what people want with that. So that's one of my like immediate goals. I'm not sure if I want to turn my production business type stuff into like a full-on production business because to be very honest, I feel like I jumped into that too soon to figure out if that was exactly the avenue I wanted to take with filmmaking. I felt like because I took the full-time filmmaker course that almost like that was what I had to do uh, because that's kind of yeah. what is shared. It was what it was teaching you to do. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's great that that's you know the idea behind it, but I know there's so many different ways you can approach doing video. Um, and I don't feel like it has to be a video production business. I think, you know, you can, you can still do work for clients that doesn't have to revolve around the idea of a video production company, but at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's okay where it's at. I'm not looking at scaling it to be like, oh, I've got 20 people working for me or, or something like that. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I don't know that I want that either. Yeah. And I think that's what's, I wish I had known actually when I jumped into this all like a year and a half ago was that, you know, as much as what you're being 
taught by someone who is the expert supposedly in their field, it doesn't mean that's the, the one and only way to go. Um, I think, you know, there's multiple ways you could look at something and it, it's, it's helpful to have someone telling you like, hey, this is how I did it. And that's great. Um, yeah. But also to realize for yourself that you don't have to copy that version exactly to get that same type of a success because success is is different for everybody. I think the, the roads to it are a little bit different. Sure. So for me, I wish I had just taken a little bit more time to consider like, hey, is video production type stuff like a company uh, something that I actually want to be doing? Um because I've been finding that, like, hey, I actually like working with other filmmakers. So maybe I'm more of, like, somebody who's just up for hire to, you know, shoot for other people for a while until I figure out what I want to do, for instance. Um, right. I think that would have been nice as, like, an option back when I was starting. Now, granted, I'm sure Parker talks about that. Uh, but you're just being filled with, like, that. that's the way to do it, you know. And so you yeah. sit there being like, oh, gosh, i got to start a video production company. Well, it's, and- it's in the name, full-time filmmaker, right? right? So it's like full, full-time means paid full-time. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, it's What better true. way to do that than own your own business? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I, I would love to, to be in the place kind of where Parker's at to where you get to work with brands and um, yeah. things like that. Where he, But also with full-time filmmaker, it doesn't seem like he has to do anything he doesn't want to do. So, yes. um, you know, full-time filmmaker's done really well. Yeah, um, he's done well. As we see, there's new new people joining the group all the time. Oh yeah, which is good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> bad for us that's been there for a long time, but we uh, we still like it. Um, it's great that people are coming in, and it, the only the, the annoying thing is whenever the, all the, the the newbie questions. But um, yeah, well, I mean, those will always be, be there, I'm sure. Yeah, you yeah. Can't make them go away. <laughs> which camera should I buy? Which lens should I get? Whatever one you um, have, shoot with it. <laughs> yeah, what drone should I get? It, and I, I understand that mentality was, uh, I guess this kind of lead us into talking about gear a little bit, hmm. is thinking about um, you, the gear is everything. And it's tough for me because I'm such a tech head and I love gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned that, and, and I I, uh, I spent a lot of money on gear my first my first year into doing my my uh, business, mm-hmm. and I, I don't regret it because I also am the kind of person that does a lot of research on things before I buy them. Yeah. So I only wound up with a couple little things that weren't that expensive that I probably didn't need to buy. Mm-hmm. But um, I I think a lot of people start thinking that gear is going to be your saving grace. That yeah. is, as long as you get the right gear, you're going to be able to produce whatever it is that you're dreaming and uh it's like gear is not everything but it also is at the same time you know it's helpful for sure (laughs) yeah it's kind of it's strange how that works but it's it is um what you're limited once you get to a certain point like you can definitely be limited with what you want to do like if you give me a t6i i'm going to be able to get good composition and stuff like that but i'm not i'm not going to be able to get exactly what my my mind has Mm -hmm. you know set um you have to work harder almost at at achieving um a sense of higher quality with it because you're working with something that is just technically as it is a lower quality item, you know, it's a piece and, of gear and if that's you're, low. If you're charging, you know, good, decent rates for what you're doing too, you need to have the gear that's going to produce that kind of quality. So yes. um, it, it is a weird thing that I, I think the only problem with gear is that, is that people think that that's all you need in order to produce good stuff. And it's, that's not it. Yeah. Um, but that being said, um, loving gear and stuff like that, what do you use for um, your cameras? Yeah. So I'm a, I use Canon because my mentor. Sorry to hear that. 
I know. Well, my mentor, when I when I was starting with photography, actually, was like, Canon is the only way to go. That's what they said. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, if you have anything else, especially a Nikon, it's junk. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. Well, I we can agree. Myself. Nikon is junk. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Like, I don't really like Nikon. It's, it's okay. I'm sure it does great things. I'm sure they've yeah. come a ways, but I don't like their setup, so. That is that, but no. yeah, I do use Canon. Um, <laughs> I shoot with a 6D Mark II right now, uh, cool. just because that's what felt comfortable for me, and it was a price range at the time that I could afford. It's um, full frame, right? Yeah, yeah, it's full, full frame, yeah. you know, 1080p, it's okay. I, I like 4K, but I just can't quite afford one at the moment. I've just kind of upgraded some other things that needed upgrading, and so I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. It's going to have to wait. It can make do. And that's like that same idea that you were just talking about. It's like, hey, gear's not everything like it is. And I do find right now that sometimes the 1080 is a little limiting, but I can deal with it because I do know that 4K isn't completely necessary right now. It would be nice. It's more like a luxury sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So it, it would be nice if I had something a little bit nicer, but I can make do with what I have. And that's kind of a mentality I have with a lot of my work and my gears to say, hey, you know what, as much as it would be nice to have, you know, the latest, greatest or something that does, you know, fast, this, better, that, um, yep. you can make do sometimes with what you have. And granted, it might not look quite the same, but, you know, it's okay. I, yeah. like, you, like we were saying before, you're your own worst critic. So like, I will look at my footage and be like, oh my goodness, it could be sharper. It could be better color, you know, right there. Uh, you know, that could be 4K, that would be nice. But sure. other people who know nothing, which is pretty much all the people who watch our videos who aren't filmmakers, um, will yeah. probably look at it being like, oh wow, that's a great video. Awesome, okay, that's done. You know, and they yeah. move on. They, they yeah. don't even yeah. notice those things. So, sure. yeah. Do you How ever you? rent uh, cameras for anything? Rent? Um. I have used a 1DX Mark II, which was rented. Um, that was fun. And I've used other gear. Like I said, I, I've been networking with local filmmakers, uh, some who have had their production company for a long time, and so they've got a lot more gear than I do. Great, And yeah. uh, so I got to play with some fun stuff like the USR and uh, Blackmagic uh, camera. They've got, you know, the C200 like you have and things like that. So I've really enjoyed getting to learn other gear and shoot with other gear. I just don't own other gear. So like, I feel sure. like I'm really familiar with those other gears and like times I'm like, oh wow, I wish I had that for myself. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to learn on them. So that's that's helpful too. Yeah, that's great. I mean, um, again, it, it, it's not all about the gear, but you're, you're making what you have work. Yeah. And um, I, I do, I, I have to catch myself with, uh, maybe I'll, I had a big client, um, I was doing a drone update for their golf course. Mm -hmm. They had a really big budget, and um, so it was a it was a nice nice paycheck for me. Mm. But I uh, and I actually bought a lot of gear with that. I needed stuff all all stuff I needed. Right. But um, at the time when I first started, I just I, I got my Sony A seven three, which mm -hmm. was about two grand. And um, late, I didn't even have the twenty four to seventy yet, which is what you you see me on right now. Yeah. But um, I that lens has been my everything um i have gotten other other lenses uh, as well but that lens was kind of the one that got me to be able to do pretty much anything i needed to do most weddings i shot was on that mm -hmm. um i can't i'm trying to think of what my what lenses i had before that because i remember thinking oh another two thousand dollars 
uh, for yeah. this lens. Is it I worth know. it? And it gets so crazy. <laughs> and then I got my drone. It was like another two thousand yeah. um, dollars. So it was it was a lot over time, you know, over that year. But thankfully, I through just through connections and people that I know that got me these jobs mm-hmm. um, with that country club and stuff like that. Who ha- you know, country clubs have good budgets. So if you have any of those around, definitely go seek them out. Mm. <laughs> um, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and uh, asking people what their budget is, like Parker talked about, before you tell them prices, yes, has has paid off in dividends for me, um, for sure, mm-hmm. and not so much for weddings because I, for some reason everyone that approaches me about a wedding has like three hundred dollars to film it, and I'm so like, you can do it for that much, like no, <laughs> yeah, no. My mom talks about that a little. She's a hairstylist, and she talks about how crazy it is about what what people think it they should pay for mm-hmm. certain things like for her for hairstyling and stuff like that and um yeah. and for me people think that i had someone ask me to photograph and film a wedding me to do both mm-hmm. for i think that she said like 300 dollars, and i was like <laughs> i had to and part of our job is to educate, educate yeah right so i had to teach her i was like you know i, I thanks for reaching out to me i just want and this was a phone call but I just want to let you know that you're you're going to be hard pressed to find someone to film and photo your wedding, and neither of them are going to do it for less than a thousand dollars at yeah. least. So sure. you know, <laughs> people just don't know what they don't know. But yeah, um, you can get a lot done with with is the sixty. So does that the is there a sixty Mark three or is there is that the latest? I'm one? not aware that there is. I believe it's just the Mark two. Oh, okay, and it doesn't do four K. No, it doesn't. And I, you know, at the time, I actually purposely chose not to get 4K. I was looking at like the, um, was it the 5D Mark IV, which can do 4K, yep. but at yep. the time, I didn't feel like I could navigate with that. the The computer system I had was really old, and so I was yeah. like, "Yeah, 4K. I'm just not even gonna be able to edit it. So why would I get that right now?" You know, it was one of those things that it was kind of a hard press decision because I was like, you know, I need to upgrade my camera. A little bit, because what I had was just like, you know, T4i. And I mean, like that yeah. is, yeah, as you were saying, whoa, what do I do with that? Bad yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, and it's tough. It's a great starter to get into it. But you know, for working with clients, I was like, there's no way I can keep doing that. So I needed something that at least let me do full frame. You know, 1080 at 60 frames would have been nice. So that's why I got that one. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I don't even know. I was thinking recently, because I'm like, you know, I need to upgrade my camera and I'm looking around because I really want something that does 4K at 60 frames, but like that's really hard to find, especially with Canon. Hard to find right now. Yeah, Sony too. Yeah, (laughs) I I know. It's like I have to look at other other places and I'm like, uh, I want to like hold one and like play with it to be like, oh, this is a nice camera. Okay, I I can deal with it not being a Canon. I don't know know what's so hard about it for these companies. Like, why did Panasonic just, they were able to just create 4K, 60, 10-bit, like it was nothing. And this was years ago. Yeah. And amazing uh, stabilization. And I'm just like, I I don't understand why Sony, these big giant companies Mm -hmm. haven't created, and and Canon, haven't created these cameras that are... Other other companies are making. What is the secret sauce? But uh, there know. is a there is a Sony announcement. I think it's on the twentieth because um, NAB got canceled this year for yeah, coronavirus. I know because of coronavirus. <laughs> and um, April twentieth, they're announcing something. So everyone's thinking it's going to be the A seven four or the A seven S three. Yeah. So I'm I've been waiting for that personally, but because I would yeah. love to have 10, 10 bit. People don't realize the difference in eight bit and ten bit is like night and day almost with like the amount of uh 
the level that you have for editing your color grade and everything. Yeah, the range. So I've, yeah. I've been waiting on that. But most of the stuff that I shoot, uh, for, if I'm doing a wedding, most of it's 1080 mm-hmm. Um And then I, I do 4K24 for um, the, the, my long shots. Yeah. Uh, the safety shots. But um, the only thing I love, the thing I like about 4K is that, and, and the Sony A7III's 4K isn't, the files aren't that big. Uh, the C200's 4K is very very big not not crazy big but a lot bigger mm-hmm. uh, bit rate but um i just like the, the crop uh, ability that i can kind of punch in and punch out in my edit yeah. without losing quality mm-hmm. in 1080 you can't really do that very much so i know that's something i i think that's what i would like about 4k is like that ability to be like hey look i can crop it in <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always the charging your client for the rental of the cameras too. So yeah, I don't know if you've ever done that. Yeah, no, I, I have uh I have done something like that in the past, you know, with like a lens or whatever, you know. I could yeah. do with the camera. You just gotta find the person that, you know, is willing to do that. <laughs> yeah. Some I know. people are like, Oh, you can just no, that's fine. You're like, Oh fine, you're just gonna have a terrible yeah. looking thing then. Yeah, some people just bake it into their contract, their invoice and um don't they don't even say that yeah, this is for the rental. I, know. I think I'm going to start doing uh, some things like that. We are like, yep, this is just, you need to do that. Okay, let's yeah. move on. I know certain clients that well enough to know what they're comfortable with. I had one, uh, I, I'm supposed to have, I don't know if it, I'm guessing it's probably not going to happen in mid-April where I got to go film some stuff at a college campus, uh, some some classes. And I told them, um, I gave them my options and I was like, I can record it with what I have, but it'd be really nice to have a proper video camera. Right. So I'm going to rent the uh, Sony FS5, FX, FS5 II. Mm-hmm. Mark II, um, just so that I can have a proper video camera there to film, uh, you know, over 30 minute record time and all that kind of yeah. thing. So, and they were fine with it, but well, um, I haven't got the 50% down on that yet. So I don't even know if that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? This, yeah. Somebody and I, 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 I'm, th- I feel the pain for like full-time filmmakers that, that are not at a corporation like I am that, mm. you know, your bread and butter is coming from client work. And now, right yeah. now during this coronavirus time, all freelance work is really, really struggling. Yes. Um, I was thinking of some ideas of what people could do with like, maybe just go into some, some small businesses that maybe would like to get some, some, a video done. You just do it for free with the promise that they will use you on a paid gig in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, stuff like, stuff like that, it kind of maybe seals some business for yourself in the future, but it's, um, it's tough right now, for sure. I've been trying to eat at as many local restaurants as I can and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, that they, they need the help. But um, yeah, it's a weird time we're in right now. But <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, the, the way that you're anybody probably is going to get through something like this, especially like filmmakers right now, is just to try to find a way to make it into something sort of positive, whether, you know, okay, you don't have mm-hmm. any more clients right now. Maybe you can try to go find some. Granted, you won't make as much money, but maybe you can offer something that helps them and helps you. And then, or even just educate yourself a little bit more. I know a lot of people are doing that, you know, like buying courses or just learning anything they can online and taking the time to learn a program or something that they wanted yeah. to learn forever and they just haven't had time. So they have time. So yeah, I, I bought a, uh, I've been using Lightroom for years for vi- for photo editing, but mm-hmm. I, I bought a course on um, just, uh, just teaching you how to do more enhanced stuff in Lightroom. I mean, hopefully I'll learn something. Um <laughs> But because yeah. I actually I really do love photography, mm-hmm. I, I took a, a um, photography workshop in New York City with uh, Mark Mann. He's a 
a um, really famous photographer, does a lot of celebrity, like name a celebrity, go on his Instagram, name a celebrity, they're all there. And he's a really nice guy, uh, taught a great workshop. Uh, it was through Leica, Leica Academy. And uh, I, I really would love to become a portrait photographer. Like if I had to say goodbye to f f videography and I got a lot of work to be a, a portrait photographer and you'll you'd see that if you go on my Instagram, I, I like a lot doing portraits. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be perfectly happy with that. I just, I love the idea of capturing, trying to capture someone's essence and who they are as a person in one frame. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's different from us, right? Where we're capturing, you know, 24 frames every second. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting challenge. Yeah. Um, getting your light and, and, and the expression on their face just right and mm -hmm. all that kind of... It's an interesting challenge. That's why I love photography. I started off with like landscapes and, you know, things yeah. that don't don't pay. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, But photography is... Uh, it's hard sometimes. You got to find the right client, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's tr tough in, in like Jacksonville and probably like where you're at too. It's like... Do you ever feel like you're trapped a little bit in your city, like like you're creatively, like you you need to be in not necessarily New York, but other cities that that has more opportunities for creative work? I mean, sometimes I think it would be nice to have. I know it sounds funny, but like a landscape change, where you know, like yeah. we were saying before, where you, know, you see things in a new way, and you feel like it's a whole different world where you get to meet new people and create new things that are. I don't know, less than what you see every day. You know, right. like it, it's more like uh, that excitement of, hey, this is challenging, it's different, it's new. So sometimes it feels that way. And then other times, you know, it's a matter of pushing yourself to explore your area a little bit more. I know it's, sure. it's hard. I actually, I know Jacksonville pretty well um, because I, oh, yeah? I've been there so many times, I can't tell you. <laughs> oh, really? Um, what for? Yeah, well, I have family there, and then, um, I don't know, we just go there a lot sometimes just to visit. Oh, cool. Be around. So, I've been to Florida oh, more than a dozen times in my life, for sure. But um, Well, next yeah. time you come down, let me know. We can go downtown and try and shoot something interesting. Yeah, we should. <laughs> my, my grandfather literally lives in Jacksonville, so. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. What, uh, what side of town does he live on? I want to say it's the west side, but I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so bad with the area, for sure. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Well, we have we have all the sides. Uh, I live on the south side, okay. close to our our big town center uh, shopping mall. Okay. But um, yeah, it's it, it's so weird. It's a, such a big city, but and there's there's just so many business like big corporate type businesses here, um, and there's yeah. not a lot of there's some creative stuff going on here, but um, and by create creative, it's all people always start going into artsy like uh, I don't know how to describe it like. Um, like hipstery kind of art, kind of. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and instead of like people like we know, like on full time filmmaker, like people creating content, like like what what a lot of people post in in the group. But um, mm -hmm. I, I just I find it a, str a struggle sometimes to find other creatives here to work with, but also companies to work with that want not creative work that's outside of just talking head interview kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So I'm never I'm never challenged to kind of get out of my comfort zone um, with what I do. So I feel like I'm not growing sometimes, but that's always going to be a struggle. Yeah, I know. I think it's one of those things that, like, even in my area, Redown's just very I want to say not cramped, but it's it's full for sure. I mean, we have over 1.3 million people in the tiniest state in the world. I mean, like I think Montana has the same amount of people. 
I know, and right? Whole and, but they state. have like all the space to put these yeah. people. So around here, it's like you know, you want to try to find something that's more like landscapey or something like that. It's very hard to find something. You know, you got the woods, that's great. But um, how's Rhode Island t- topography? Is it like is it flat or hilly or what is? Uh... <laughs> it's trees, and, uh, and what I mean by that is you can stand in one place and see nothing but trees. Um, okay. And it's hilly in the sense that the tallest point in Rhode Island, I think, is 400 feet. That is the tallest. Oh my gosh! Point. Yeah, so we're sounds like we're Florida. Pretty much sea level, um, and if not below sea level, sometimes in some areas because we're just we're right on the coast. So we have a lot of um, oceanfront, actually, a lot of beach. It's not as good as Florida, though. That's for sure. It uh, looks nothing, nothing like Florida for sure. It, it was the more I travel, the tougher it is to be in Jacksonville because. Um, I've gone to the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. I'm actually mm. going to go. My wife and I are going to go again in June, uh, hopefully. And nice. um, the flights are booked, so hopefully nothing else gets canceled <laughs> and we can travel again. Right. But um, we 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 took a trip a couple of years ago to Yosemite National Park in California, nice. and then we drove the whole US one. Uh, so through San oh, Francisco. Wow all the way up the coast into Oregon, seeing just amazing landscape. You feel like you're on another planet. If you're yeah. East Coast just does not compare with the the, the land and, and the beauty of the West Coast and my even the, the, even the middle coast or the, the middle coast, but the uh, Midwest. <laughs> um, uh, it's just like I, I loved Oregon so much. I don't know that I could live there or Washington or California, but gosh, I, I just I just I just see endless opportunities to film and and f- photograph so many things there that yeah. uh, when then I come back to Jacksonville and I'm like you know want want you know yeah not, not not as much to do I know I think you have to push yourself I mean there I think we're all drawn to like a, a we're appealed by certain things like you know maybe the West Coast has more cliffs and things like that so that maybe that's like more interesting yeah or, you know things like that more wide open I know that was kind of cool when I lived in Colorado and stuff like that. Um, but I think everybody has some weird appeal where they're like, oh, I like that look. Because, you know, for some reason, like someone will go down to Florida or Rhode Island and they'll be like, oh, wow, this looks, this is amazing. What are you talking about? You can't, you can't make anything happen here. And you're like, right. no, I guess I could. I don't know. I don't try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah, We're too challenge. complacent in our own hometown. Yeah. Because you, you see it every day. You know, that's the thing. You're like, yeah, I see that building every day. There's nothing cool about it. And to someone else, yeah. you're like, I have never seen that building. Like, I... Rhode Island's very historic. I mean, and I, Jacksonville is as well. But um, I mean, a lot of the history of America started here in like Boston, obviously, but also in um, here in Providence, Rhode Island, we were the second colony. And so we have so much ancient type history, according to America. It's not that old, but yeah. um, it's that type of history where, you know, like, oh, this building's been here since, you know, the 1700s. And they're like, really? You know, I have friends who visit who are like, I've never seen a building that's you know, probably less than a hundred years old. Like that's all yeah. I ever see. And I'm like, oh wow, these are like easily two, three hundred years old or whatever. You know, they're, wow. that's just how they are. And so wow. I think for some people, they would look at that like that is the most coolest thing ever. Why aren't you filming that stuff? You know. And I'm like, well, it's I don't know. I see it all. But then the time. what do you do with it? Yeah. yeah exactly. What do you do with what you, it? What do you, like, do, what do, you do with that footage? Like, how do you implement that into a video? <laughs> how do you put like, history into a video. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, where photography cool. comes into me. You know, where yes, f- photography. I can try and tell sure. a single single photo story instead of with video. Yeah. I got to tell. I'm not just going to post random clips. You know, or something. Yeah. Like, that, like so. oh, here's this building. Here's that building. Here's this street. You know. Like, um, okay. 
Yeah. Especially yeah. the way that I keep going up and down with like Instagram and social media period. Like I would love to just be um, completely off of social media and just, you know, live my life. Do your thing. But I, I feel this compulsion to have to be on Instagram and <laughs> not to, you know, sh- not just share my work. I haven't been sharing stuff yeah. lately, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I think it's out of boredom a lot of times. It's just sometimes, yeah. Entertain entertainment, but definitely I'm still on Facebook just because of my business, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of an avenue to to promote things. But yeah, I think yeah, for pictures, it, like around here, is probably really nice. I'm not. I mean, I'm sure Jacksonville could be that way too. I I've yet to explore it with a camera actually, which is kind of yeah, funny. But yeah, yeah, there's some sections that are really nice and. Um, and beautiful but i just I, my wife and i talk all the time how we just wish there was somewhere we could just go hiking or yeah. which you might have but you know we like trails or something it's all like little state parks yeah. or city parks and you know nothing's very interesting or challenging <laughs> yeah. or there's no hills and there's no, no mountains to look at yeah no cliffs yeah there's no mountains yeah. and now when but. i one of the first times i went up to new hampshire because that's a few hours from here um their mountains are very different from out west um yeah like, yeah you know east covered in trees just, right yeah so full of trees and the ones out west it's like where are the trees uh, yeah. very different and the first time i ever saw them I was just like wow that's actually what like a hill would look like in my mind because uh here in rhode island you just you can't see anything there's nothing that really sticks up above the rest so it's not like you're seeing a you know a mountain or anything it's just all the same all trees things like that yep. so but i think what's nice and maybe even for you in florida is like as much as you have your city as much as you have your you know like industrialized areas it is nice to have the coast sometimes just for a break from that where it's like oh at least you can yep. see the water you know and i think that's something right. that a lot of people in the midwest really wish they had um, yep. and they're like oh you have the option to go to the beach and i'm like yeah i never thought of it that way i guess i just was like mm-hmm. yeah it's there and yeah i can go if i want yeah so. i'm very complacent with the beach i mean I'm, I'm 15 minutes from the beach um which we can't currently go to right now they shut them down but um yeah I growing up here, I guess I know a lot of people dream about going to the beach and stuff like that. It, it, it would be weird to me to live somewhere that doesn't have a beach, but I don't go that often. So I, I, I very <laughs> take it for granted. So yeah. I would totally rather have a, a nice lake and a mountain and then a, than a beach. Yeah. I think mountains are just more, I don't know, something about them is more interesting. I mean, the, yeah. the beach is great, but uh, mountains and they have character. The water is just, you know, it's kind of always the water. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your time, but how could people find you if uh, they'd like to connect with you on like Instagram, YouTube, stuff like that? Yeah, sure. So probably the best way, the most notable one that I'm on the most is fellow filmmaker. Um, And that's the one that's on Instagram, is on Facebook, and it's on YouTube. And literally, that's all I have to do is look up fellow filmmaker and you'll find me. And um, that's where I'm probably most consistent with showing my work or educating people in this case. Um, I do have my video production company, but I don't post as much as i should so if people want to connect fellow yeah. filmmakers probably the better one great yeah and i've seen i've seen some of your videos and do a really great job of giving tutorials on um all kinds i think one i just saw recently was like your one light setup yeah um that you were you did so yeah and and then you were comparing the um aperture 120d to i think it's the godox yeah godox the godox sl60w yeah they're yeah much alike <laughs> Yeah, they, are they? And the Godox is a lot cheaper, right? Yeah, it's six hundred dollars cheaper. So honestly, if you're getting wow. the same exact light, but at a much more affordable option. So for me, I was like, oh, I'm totally jumping on that. Yeah, yeah. I I got the 120D. That's what I'm being lit by right now. It's pretty. Um, 
it, it was one of the, it, it, I, I, I thought it was affordable at the time. I don't even know if the Godox was out whenever I bought it, but yeah. um, it's definitely something to consider. I, I think the build quality of, of apertures are really nice. I have a, yes. a Godox uh, flash for photography, but right. um, it's, and that's the whole thing with doing your research. It's really important to know, and mm-hmm. you don't have to spend the thousands on certain things, you know? Yeah, some things I think you can go on the more affordable route, but like for instance, with the Aperture 300D Mark yep. II, you're better off getting the Aperture versus the Godox, um, the similar one as the Godox one. Uh, oh, because, really? yeah, the quality on that one just went really far down, whereas with like the SL60W for Godox was very comparable to the Aperture 120D. Oh, okay. And I felt like they were pretty close. Like, granted, I'd say Aperture does a really good job at marketing and like the build quality and things like yeah. that. Like, they put effort into how it looks and how it feels. Whereas obviously yep. Godox is kind of like the knockoff, and so they wouldn't put as much effort to it, and that's how they can charge what they right. charge for it. But I feel yep. like when you get to something a little bit higher, higher end, like the 300D for Aperture, um, finding one that's comparable to it in Godox is pretty hard, just because they don't quite measure up. Especially whenever you're you're starting to pump out that much power, like the 300D. Yeah. I want something that's going to be quality and that I'm not going to be scared it's going to catch on fire. Exactly. <laughs> or yeah. something like that. But that's my next light that I want to get is the 300D Mark II. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just a good light. Extra power. Yeah. I played with it. The only thing I hate about it is um, it has way too many cables. There's even more yeah. than the 120D Mark II because they have two power, I want to call them banks that you have to like attach. They're not the power sources, but like it runs through and it's just kind of aggravating. So I think there's Was a Mark 300D II? Mark one or Mark two that you did. Yeah, I think it's the Mark one that I've used. So I think the Mark two, they, they fixed that. So I would they did, yeah. definitely go with the Mark two if you're going to pay yeah, for that. Cause I'm starting to shoot into, I like to shoot into, um, I've been, ex- a lot of my career with this so far has been a lot of like just soft boxes and stuff like that, which yeah. has been fine. But I, I actually bought some uh, big, like five by seven diffusion. Nice. And I've been shooting uh, kind of bare bulb into that. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like the softness of the light a lot more whenever I, I have the space and time to set something a, a little more like that up. Yeah. Um, it just, the light just looks so much nicer and more professional. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I uh, I love that. I'm, I'm starting to really, really love large, large light sources like that. So <laughs> yeah, and the 300D nice. is necessary for that. But yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, I, I appreciate you you uh, coming on my podcast. It's my very first one. Well, um, thanks for having me. <laughs> ho- hopefully, it's uh, hopefully I'll continue. You know, and years down the road, we'll be able to look back on this very first one. But I I just wanted to kick this one off and, and get it get it rolling. And, and I'm excited to whoever whoever else I get to speak to and, and talk yeah. about um, filmmaking and creativity. And I, I don't and I, with this podcast, I don't want it to just be filmmaking and photography. I'd like to creativity's all in everything. So mm-hmm. I would love to, to learn from other people and, and talk to people who do sculpting or painting or whatever, yeah. and just kind of talk more about how, like we talked about in the beginning about getting over those creative hurdles in our mind of that keep us from, from creating and, and procrastinating. So, right. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. I like right, to well, keep think- uh, updated with it. So if you, if you do other people, keep me up to date. Yeah, absolutely. It's subscribed. It, it, I, I don't know if the podcast is live yet on anyone's uh, subscription feed. Anyone listening right now, it is. But for you right now as we're recording this, I, since there's no uh, uploads, okay. I don't think that th- it's out there. But um, okay. definitely. So yeah, I appreciate good. you coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you too.